Welcome to the RSM Talk Big podcast, helping you invest well, understand money and achieve the best tax outcomes. Your hosts today are Andrew Sykes, Chris Oates and Young Han. Welcome to the first episode of the RSM Talk Big podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about tax and what a great time to be doing at the start of the tax season. I'm joined today by Young. Hi, everyone. And Chris. Hey, everyone. So Young and Chris are our experts in financial planning and tax, and they'll be joining me today on exploring some tips for you on your tax, what to look out for, what are the traps, and how you can claim all the deductions you're entitled to. First trap we're going to talk about is not declaring income. All the news from the ATO is that this is a major topic for them. We've got a big area that we're looking at to start with is the sharing economy. Young, can you talk me through the sharing economy and what the ATO would look for there? Sharing economy is economy activities through our digital platform where people share assets or services for a fee. If you earned income from Airbnb, Uber, Camplify or OneFlare, you may need to include this in your tax return. So how much do I have to earn before I declare it? It's actually $4,000, which is quite lower than what we thought. And then probably people think that, well, if I'm only making $4,000, that's a hobby. So I shouldn't be declaring it. And how's the ATO going to find out? Well, ATO actually do have a data from those providers. So if you are doing um, Uber or Airbnb, they have access to the the database and that they can actually track it down. And what do I need to do for my tax? So it's, it's going to be a business schedule on your tax return. So you need to declare all the income you get from that business and any expenses you have to provide that service, you can get a deduction. But surely what, I can get my car deduction if I'm using it and if what you can, else? You, if you can justify the um, connection, yes, you can. Excellent. So other big area that we hear a lot of, and it's in the news all the time, is cryptocurrency gains. Chris, do you see many people making money out of crypto? Everybody's talking crypto at the moment. We do get a lot of people ask about it. It's sort of a high risk strategy. So people will make a, they could make a lot of money, but they could also lose quite a lot. So I think the key thing is it started out and a lot of people sort of did it and sort of didn't know what they had to include or how the gains or everything worked. Um, so it's always, always being talked about. Uh, even around, around the office, everybody sort of has, has an opinion and where it's been going. It's certainly a very hot topic. And how am I treating it for tax, Young? In a simple term, if you think it in a way how we treat gain in share trading, it's probably the simplest way. So we can either calculate capital gains tax or treat it as an ordinary income, or it can be disregarded altogether if it was regarded as a personal asset. So Chris, if I've uh, got some cryptocurrency gains that I bought 11 months ago, am I better off waiting 12 months so it's a capital gain? If you do, so the capital gain, you do get the, the discount. So the, you get a 50% discount if you do hold it for over 12 months. So we do encourage people when they do buy an asset to not buy something that they're going to sell straight away, actually do hold it for at least 12 months. Yeah. And really interesting too is uh, along with crypto is cash. So the tax office and the government's always talking about the cash economy. And when we walk into a store, we think who uses cash anymore? But interesting, 
if we went back 10 years, only 3.5% of GDP was held in cash. If we look according to the RBA today, 4.5% of it, and that's all increased during COVID. So why people have stopped spending cash, they're now keeping it as a store of wealth. I think that's because they couldn't spend it, isn't it? Nobody wanted it. Yeah, nobody will take <laughs> cash anymore. That's right. But it is so it is becoming in uncertain times, it becomes a store of wealth. And the tax office wants to know where that cash has come from. <clears throat> there is nothing wrong with cash. Cash is okay uh, as long as we declare it on our tax return. So you can declare it and keep cash. It's the undeclared cash. And the ATO is looking at some different ways to check that up now. We're hearing stories of uh, checking boat registries and motor vehicles. Young, can you let us know a little bit more about that? Obviously, the government can have access to your ATO data and registry data. So if you have only $30,000 of income on your tax return, but you somehow manage to buy or hold uh, a car that's worth 100000 or a boat, then they're going to actually question you. Like, how do you actually afford it? And where are they getting that data from? ATO. The ATO. And they're getting it from the registries, I believe. So yeah, that's uh, correct. they'll go out there and they'll get data from the registry and match it up with your income tax. That's right. What level are we in danger at on motor vehicles? When will they start checking? Data matching program is targeting transferred or newly registered new and used cars with value more than $10,000. As a benchmark, if you own a car worth more than $65,000, the ATO will be checking. So if you've bought a, a new motor vehicle, more than 65, you would expect the ATO to be checking your records. Correct. Wow. That's not huge, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll... With the cash, if you're getting paid or you're paying your employees in cash, the one of the big catches is over the long run, you're probably not paying superannuation to yourself or your employees. So what that really hurts is if a lot of casual employees, if you say between 25 to 35 in that age bracket, you're costing yourself probably hundreds of thousands of dollars a year by not actually putting the money into superannuation. So I'd say... You can look at the tax side of it and the data matching, but from a wealth strategy, you also are really hurting yourself too. That's right. When you get cash on hand payment, your employer isn't withholding tax on your behalf. Yes, you're avoiding paying tax on that income, but that also allowing your employer not to pay you super. So if you do the calculation, you're probably not any better off. So cash is a short-term gain for long-term pain and loss. So we've looked at our two areas, not declaring income, claiming um, uh, deductions for, for personal items is probably the second we'd like to have a look at. Mm-hmm. So how, does, how do we determine whether it's deductible for work or not? Well, you obviously need to have a, a connection to your income. So a lot of questions I got from client this year when they announce about the asset instant write-off. And they're like, oh, does it mean that I can get an ABN and then I can get the GST back and then get a whole claim for the deduction? And I said, no, because if you are just employed by someone else and you actually can't justify the link between your job and your car, you're not going to be able to declare that as expense. So there has to be a direct connection to your work. That's right. What about if you pay it and your employer gives you the money back? Well, you didn't pay for it, did you? Because you get it back from your employer. 
So, of course, you can't claim that either. And we, what we do see a lot of is the people just claiming $300. What do we need to justify a $300 claim? Uh, you need to have a written evidence as to what it was for. So the tax invoice, it will be another thing. Um, there are areas such as laundry. If they said if it's less than 300 they're not going to ask for a written evidence. But anything more than that, they're more likely to ask for it. So from the laundry point, is that we're all at home? Can we claim our, getting our pyjamas dry cleaned? Or? <laughs> <laughs> well, unless you're working in a Peter Alexander, maybe not because you have to have that direct connection to your job. So it has to be either a uniform or occupation specific or the protective clothing. Yeah, and that brings up a really good point, Chris. If uh, you're going to be claiming large motor vehicle expenses and large work from home expenses, the tax office is going to say, well, which one did you do? Yes, so, and that's we'd say, so for, for me, you work, you've got the home office set up or you might work at the dining table or you might be sitting on the couch on the laptop. So it's sort of what would that mean? So in DC with the COVID, there's a something called shortcut method, which is actually giving you 80 cents an hour to claim. And the other thing that's always been around is a fixed rate method, which is 52 cents plus the portion of your uh, depreciation of a laptop or phone and internet. And because it, it might seem like complicated, so some people just default it to using 80 cents method. But if you have high business usage of phone and internet, you're better off using fixed rate method. Claim 52 cents per hour plus portion of depreciation on laptop, internet and phone expenses rather than opting into 80 cents per hour method. So if I was working from home 40 hours a week, I could claim 80 cents per hour or $32 per week as a, a deduction for each week that I worked at home. Is that correct? That's correct. $32 a week, 40 hours at 80 cents. If you only worked, yeah, that's, if that's a shortcut method, but you're better off, you use a lot of phone, you use your internet, you're on the phone all the time with your clients, so you're better off using 52 cents plus the portion of your internet and phone. Excellent. So it's worthwhile to do the calculation. If you want to maximise the return and recover the most of costs that you can, uh, put the work in and do the deduction, uh, do the calculation. It's and, not that expen- yeah. not that difficult. And the other thing I really wanted to mention here that people, some people actually using actual cost method, which is you know percentage of cleaning, utilities, and phone. But the catch here is you have a dedicated space, and you do not have any of your family member in that space. Unless you can justify that, you shouldn't be using the actual cost method. And when you do have a, a big deduction on the, your home office expense using actual cost method, ATO will have a close look at your return. Okay. So the other big one that we've spoken about and mentioned a couple of times is motor vehicle expenses. What's the best way to claim motor vehicle expenses? There are two um, commonly used methods, which is cents per kilometre method. For 21 ER, it was 72 cents per kilometre, and you can claim maximum of 5,000 kilometres per each car. So if you had two cars, and you can justify that both were used for the work-related travel, you can have two or 5,000 kilometre method. 
The other thing is the logbook, which you need to use 12 weeks. And, and we work out what percentage of that was for the business purpose. Um, you can use it for the five years. And if you had two cars, you have to cover the same period. So you can't have like March to say June and then another one from July to October and say, well, it was pretty much for 70% for business usage. No, you can only use it for one car. Okay, but if I had two cars, could I claim one on the logbook method and one at 5,000 kilometres? Yes, you can, if you're smart about it. And if you can, because the important word to me that you've said about the kilometre method method is justify it. What do you mean by justify it? Oh, the interesting thing for this one, they are actually not going to ask you to have a written evidence like a logbook, but... They will require, if, if AT wanted to look at it, they will ask you, how can you justify your 5,000 kilometres? So if you are someone who works in an office and all travel you do is from home to office, you're going to make, make that argument very difficult. But if you are like trades or a salesperson that you're on the road all the time, then it's quite easy to justify that. So if I was that office worker and once a week I did a 20-kilometre travel off to the stationery shop, for example, to pick up stationery for work, I could claim 1,000 kilometres a year. Correct, because you did 20 of the 52 weeks. Yep, but if I tried to claim 5,000 kilometres, I might get in trouble with that. That's right. So that's why we always have what your occupation is on your tax return. So tip there is just write a notice to how you calculated your kilometre usage. That's right. And do that up front. So big deduction that we haven't really touched on, Chris, is superannuation. Talk us through what we can claim for super for 2021. Yeah, so 2021, you've got the, what we call, I suppose, the deductible contribution cap, which has been $25,000 a year for the last few years. Uh, it's a good way to use it to boost the your retirement balance and what you just need to remember is whatever your employer is paying into super counts towards that cap. So if, say, let's you earn $100,000 a year, so that your employer would have been paying 9.5% superannuation guarantee. So that really means that you've got there another $15,500 that if you've put that money yourself into superannuation, you could actually claim a tax deduction for it. So I don't need to have my employer do a salary sacrifice for that? No. So they changed that a couple of years ago where you can just do it yourself. If you've got a bit of money in the offset account, you can whack it into super. And as long as you're not claiming more than that $25,000, then you'll stay under the limit. And what happens if I've made a mistake and, say, put an extra $2,000 in? If you've done it yourself, you can always vary your notice to the ATO. Just make sure you do it before you put your tax return in and then you can confirm it with your super fund. They can give you a letter to say the exact amount that you are claiming. And the other thing I really want to give a tip for everybody is if you haven't utilised your cap in the past year and if you have less than 500000 in your super, you can actually bring forward those and then claim it in your tax return. So you can increase your tax deductions more than 25000 Is that a one-off thing? It carries forward. So if last financial year, you could have done up to three years in one go, so because it came in in 2018. So what you might have done is if crypto went well or the property market's gone very well, if you've got that big capital gain, you might actually have been able to put some of that cash into the super, but it's working on a five-year rolling period. 
So if you didn't use it this year and your balance is still under $500,000 in the, the financial year that we're in now, then you could really use four years' worth. So, But then if you didn't do anything for another three years, then the years that you're not using, as long as your balance is still under 500000 you can catch them up. So that sounds like it's a planning exercise to make sure you can maximise your well, long-term wealth creation. That's yeah, right. and that's right. As if you're planning on selling an asset, timing is now even more of a an important thing depending on how much you might be able to offset. Because you don't want to put that much carry for all the super contribution into your tax return when you have low income that is. No, that's correct. <laughs> Might as well maximise the benefit. If we're going to do it, maximise the benefit. So we've had a look at declaring all of our income and claiming uh, deductions and, and making sure that we claim our deductions. Now, there's some deductions we can't claim. Um, and in particular, we think there's going to be a bit of a focus this year on rental property expenses. Uh, Chris, you said it's been a, a great property market this year. Um, but we think there's going to be a bit of a look on what people are, are claiming. Um, what would we need to, where are the common mistakes on this? The biggest argument that I always have with my client is that was a such an expense, was a repair or maintenance or the capital improvement? So what's the difference? Well, in just the word itself, if it was something being really aging, so if you had just have to have another fresh touch up of the paint because it was getting really old or something was damaged, that's repair and maintenance and we can claim the 100%. But if you decide to print, um, paint the whole house and make a good fresh look to upgrade your value of the house or attract new tenant, that's obviously it's a capital improvement. Okay, so let me ask you a question. So I've got my rental property and I've got my tiles on the roof and they keep on cracking and leaking. It's costing me a lot. I'm going to go and put a new roof on and I'm going to get some colour bond. Is that a repair or that, is that capital? That's a capital because you're actually changing it from tile roof to a caliburn. But if it was leaking and you wanted to replace a few tiles to stop the leakage, then that's repair and maintenance. Big difference in the cost and the treatment of it, isn't it? That's correct. So if it's capital, that would mean it's deductible over a number of years. That's right. Through depreciation. So we've got a lot of time on our hands at home as well. And really, I think we'll go out with having a look at self-education expenses. Can we use all of that extra time we've got at the moment? To educate ourselves. Well, it depends where you are educating yourself for. So if you're doing some course that's relate to your current job or likely to increase your income, yes. But if it's just for a, another job that you're thinking of, then no. So are you saying that if I'm thinking of doing study, I've got plenty of time on my hands that don't go and just learn in financial planning, don't go and learn how to, I don't know, build a house, actually do something well, you're a financial planner, planner, so if you're doing a builder course, that's going to be a very difficult argument to justify this was <laughs> relevant to my work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you, if you want to go and do a course and get a deduction, make sure it applies to your work. That's right. And you'll get some assistance in the cost. Well, everyone, that's all we've got time for today. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed our podcast, you can subscribe on your favourite streaming platform. Uh, thank you, Young. Thank you for having me. And thank you, Chris. Thanks, Andrew. Now, remember, you can send questions 
to us or ideas for topics on the RSM Talk Big landing page. Looking forward to next time. Thank you. See you, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Talk Big. Create, save and protect with RSM.